Taxpayer Talks is brought to you by Texans for Fiscal Responsibility and is made possible by generous donations from listeners like you. If you want to support our work, you can visit texastaxpayers.com slash donate to make a tax-deductible contribution today. Thank you. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Taxpayer Talks. My name is Tim Harden, president of Texans for Fiscal Responsibility, here with Jeremy Kitchen, our executive director. How you doing? Doing okay, man. Waiting for the end of session. Oh, me too, man. I, I know we I know we complained last week, but we're probably going to complain the rest of session. Uh, we're we're rolling through hundreds of bills every single day, and so uh, you know it's what we do. It's what we love to do, but we certainly are busy, uh, and there's a lot going on. So let's go ahead and get right into it. Uh, I think the first thing worth talking about is something that's actually been kind of a controversy uh, for the last week, which we've been dead center of. And and what I'm talking about, we mentioned this last go round uh, last week, which is HB 438 by Representative Schofield. Uh, this was a bill that basically raised district judge salaries based on inflation. And so we actually uh, put a notice out on this bill and said, hey, not only do we oppose raising district judge salaries because of inflation, because taxpayers are not given that same exact uh, courtesy when it comes to things like property tax relief, but many people actually don't know that district judge salaries determine the pension of lawmakers. And so we put a notice out saying, hey, a vote for this is a vote for a pension increase. And so there was... Uh, essentially to kind of break down what happened they last week they voted on the bill there was about six no's uh, that said we're, we're not for this uh, then afterwards about 12 other lawmakers came and changed their vote from a yes to a no um, flash forward to the next day they go to third reading uh, and you know the twitter had been on fire I'd, I'd put a couple memes out there texas for fiscal responsibility had had thrown out the the screenshot of these people you know voted for raises for themselves and so Schofield ended up actually delaying the bill. I believe this was on a Wednesday. He delayed it till Friday. And so it gave them two days to kind of figure out what was going on because there was a lot of lawmakers that were very upset uh, because they didn't realize they voted for a, a, a raise for themselves. And so they delayed it until Friday. And I had a couple of back and forth with a few uh, a few lawmakers kind of trying to shift out the confusion. Our legal counsel uh, was adamant that, yes, in fact, they did raise their pensions, despite kind of how they're trying to wiggle out and claim that it's uh, it was very clear. And so we get to Friday and we're like, OK, yeah, great. Finally, we're going to get a vote on this thing. We get to Friday and guess what? They delay it again. And so they delay it from Friday until Tuesday. And so they have over the weekend and there was talks among uh, lawmakers about, you know, getting a statement from ERS uh, that, no, this in fact did not, which of course is not law, right? This is an interpretation from ERS. And so in many conversations we had, once again, with our legal counsel, we're still very adamant that this in fact did raise pensions. The one thing that we discovered, I believe this was on Thursday, um, the, the, uh, the local and consent calendar kicked out, I believe is SB 1508, and this was a bill that basically decoupled the judge salary from the lawmaker pensions. Okay, but the this bill actually only affects things going forward. And so, meaning if this bill passes, which it likely will, but it is absolutely not current law right now. If this bill passes, then that district judge salary will be decoupled from lawmaker pensions, but it will only affect anybody who retires from here going forward. And so it changes the dynamic of the bill. It doesn't really change the fact that they did vote for pension raises because the, the people that I talked to in the Capitol didn't even realize that this bill had passed on local and consent and how significant it actually was. I actually brought it to a few people's attention, right? But 
it still did not affect retired lawmakers. So that that vote they still took, they still voted to raise the pensions of retired lawmakers. Uh, and we're we're assuming contingent on the passage of this other bill that the in, in the future it will be decoupled. But we co- of course can't make decisions based on ifs. Uh, we have to go on what what current law is. And so, flash forward to Tuesday, they get to uh, the floor and. Uh, Schofield says something like, you know, hey, this is very clear. This did not raise pensions. It never was raising pensions, you know, and then he, he moves passage. That's all he said about it. They didn't bring any proof. Right. But we still had, I believe, about 10 lawmakers that voted against the bill, remaining unconvinced that this did not or they knew that, hey, it only affects uh, us going forward. It does not affect them going back. The statement, I'm actually, I've actually written an article kind of explaining all this. It, it can get convoluted when we talk about the other bill. Um, but the the official journal statement is not out yet. It's a it's kind of a speculative. This is an unofficial result. And so likely, uh, maybe we will have some folks add more journal statements and possibly change their vote. We do not know. Well, of course, we will keep, keep up with that. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think the important thing is the role that TFR is trying to play for taxpayers, right? Like the fact that the vast majority of lawmakers probably had no clue uh, what they were doing. We brought attention to that. We we ultimately ended up delaying the bill twice. Uh, we had many lawmakers that flipped their votes and then maintained that flip, even on the third reading, despite the narrative from uh, you know House leadership that no, this did in fact not. Uh, and just to let you know, our legal counsel, and uh, we still will maintain that, yes, it was a vote for lawmaker pension increases. However, the caveat is if that other bill passes, this would only affect previous lawmakers, not ones in the future. And so I know that's long winded. It's a little convoluted, but that's essentially where we're at there. And and, uh, and the article should be out uh, by the time you all see this video. I, I don't have anything to add to this other than the fact that this whole process just illustrates to me just how ridiculous it is that lawmakers vote on things that they seemingly don't know, right, what the bills do. Obviously, I, I mean, the, the low-hanging fruit there is the local and consent calendar. For them to have already considered the local and consent calendar and have no idea that this was a bill, right, that the other bill was a bill that they considered on there speaks volumes uh, to the just kind of the way the process is and how it's abused. I think second to that, it is important to remind folks that, you know, like, and we heard from lawmakers to this effect, right, it's like, we have to take, when we do vote notices, it's one bill at a time, right? Like we can't be like, well, we're not gonna consider this bill because there's another bill in the process. Um, obviously who knows if the, both those bills pass or don't, anything. I mean, the, the process is literally designed to kill bills. Um, and so I think that's an important uh, takeaway uh, for taxpayers or for people that that you know that, that see our, our index and the vote notices going out is that we take every vote as if it's a standalone right sort of thing um and so it's important for folks to know and then the last thing i would say on this is that again and we talked about this last week but i doubt all that many people knew that lawmakers get pensions right and so this is just another reminder to at least in my personal opinion it's ridiculous that they do uh, considering we have a part-time legislature and we shouldn't encourage career opportunities if you will for people that are supposed to be public servants so yeah amen to that a, a couple of final thoughts for me one uh, you know, there's been this trend, of course, you know, in the many bills that we've seen that there has been a number of courtesies to state agencies, uh, staff uh, to to raise based on inflation, raise salaries, raise allocations. Right. We're, we're spending 52 billion new dollars in our budget this go round. However, you know, one of the main things we've been talking about is property tax relief. 
which you know they're claiming the largest in history. Um, this would be 15 billion, which they're even lying about that, right? We've covered this many, many times. They're using old compression, so they're being dishonest there. And of course, they did not adjust that number for inflation, which was 14.2. That adjusted for inflation, I think at this point with the latest CPIs, it's over $20 billion, a little over $20 billion. And so taxpayers are not offered that same courtesy. And so it is absolutely immoral for lawmakers or anybody to allocate based on inflation when we are not getting that same courtesy. That's that's one. But two, um, the fact that we know that they have been lying about the numbers and using fuzzy math. And even though Tinderholt from the front mic called them out on this, they have continued to double and triple down on these lies. And then we have a bill like this and they're like, this is clear. You should trust us. Oh, trust the people who've been lying to us about numbers this entire time. You know, I, I remember we were having a conversation, Jeremy, and, you know, you look at, at politics in general, you know, I don't know if they know this, but, you know, most voters don't trust politicians. That's because, you know, we look back at the history. I, I think I mentioned, you know, read my lips, no more new taxes. Um, you know, hey, if you, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor, right? We can go on and on and on about these statements, uh, these sure statements from politicians, whether on the federal or state level, where they're just not true. And so forgive us if we don't just trust you, uh, especially when we have, you know, legal counsel saying adamantly, Absolutely. This raises pensions and they're just trying to skate around it. And so uh, that being said, you know, we can move on to HB5. I'll let you explain that. Uh, but just want to want to let you all know this is one of the reasons we exist uh, is to advocate for you and to give you all a seat at the table, because it's, it's pretty apparent that the vast majority of the time lawmakers and even some caucuses are not giving taxpayers a seat at the table. But that's why we exist. And so we, we hope we serve that purpose. Um, that being said, Jeremy, why don't you break us down on, we have a huge bill on the calendar uh, today, I guess, because we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, this is a corporate welfare program. So give us a breakdown of kind of where we're at, how it's changed, and and what we expect to see. Yeah, so of course, we've talked about this bill several times, but it's finally coming to the floor. House Bill 5, or the Corporate Welfare Revival Effort post Chapter 313 tax abatement, the word you can't say, right, is uh, is now scheduled for Thursday or today when, when uh, listeners are um, seeing and hearing this. Um, it's been put on the floor. Um, it is up to now, as an update since last week, it is up to 80 public supporters, meaning there are 80 authors of the bill, both joint authors and co-authors. It's a myriad of Republicans and Democrats. Again, it's worth reminding folks that both major political parties, both Republican and Democrat state party platforms oppose corporate welfare, yet you've got 80 people in the House that have publicly said, well, screw that, right? Let's go with, uh, let's go with corporate welfare and reviving it. Um, you know, the only people that want this, as we've said several times, is it's certainly not the taxpayer that's going to have the increased burden, right, from the tax abatement that's given to these companies. But it, it literally is these multinational companies that would benefit, uh, first and foremost. Now, there are, to be fair to them and the author, there are some, maybe not concessions, but some things that have been done, provisions now included in the bill that have made it better. I want to be clear, uh, we're still absolutely opposed, right, to corporate welfare in all its forms, uh, but they did at least attempt to make this bill slightly better. Uh, so if you can take a, a, you know, a large pile that needs to be uh, thrown on fire already, maybe it's slightly better but what they did is they added a sunset provision i think it's 2036 now is the next time so assuming this passes 2036 is when this would come back up for the legislature to consider right uh, barring some outright repeal effort 
or something like that. They added some increased, uh, quote, transparency metrics, meaning every year uh, this stuff would be subjected to a state audit, right? Kind of unclear as to how in-depth that audit would be, but uh, be subject to that. So that's at least there's some transparency slash accountability there. Uh, but of course, the big takeaway here is that it would still allow school districts to offer a tax abatement to companies, and it's not requiring school districts, right, to lower their spending. So they're gonna have to get that revenue, that misplaced revenue from somewhere. Who did they go to? They're gonna go to individual taxpayers. And I think that needs to maintain at the forefront that you have lawmakers who are purportedly giving us property tax relief while also simultaneously increasing the burden on those same property taxpayers. Yeah, you know, uh, this has obviously been a concern of ours, and we've we've been sounding the trumpet on this bill for weeks now, ever since it really it, 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 uh, was considered in, in uh, a hearing. And we know that this was going to come to the floor because it's HB5, which means it's a House priority bill. Uh, and so the, the, the main concern, and you already kind of touched on this, is the, the extreme lack of taxpayer and property tax relief that has been offered and the the spending spree that lawmakers have been going on not only you know in the budget increasing it to historic levels but this is not the only corporate welfare bill that uh, has been put forth. As a matter of fact, we noticed one, which, by the way, again, was delayed, uh, just kind of showing that, you know, when people are paying attention, lawmakers get nervous. But this is HB uh, 3600, I believe, by four price. Is this right? Um, and so this was almost a billion dollars. Uh, I think it's like 800 something million dollars in subsidies for a music and entertainment program, which, by the way, I believe they're stealing it's either 130 or 170 million dollars from the property tax relief fund. So they're literally taking from property tax relief to give to Hollywood folks to make entertainment to subsidize that. And this is just one of many, 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 many corporate welfare bills. Uh, we have all kinds of bills that are uh, giving things to special events. We just keep adding more and more and more. And this kind of shows while we adamantly oppose things like this, because once they get their foot in the door on these subsidies programs, like they just get worse. Last go round was a honestly a miracle and a fluke that we did not renew 313s. Uh, I was honestly amazed the fact that it did not get across the, the finish line in the Senate. But here we are again, right, coming back with a worse program, even with those changes, it's still worse than 313s. And it does look like it does have a path to the governor's desk. And the governor has already voiced support for it. Uh, we, you know, to speculate a little bit, Patrick basically had made a comment, you know, hey, if we want HB5 across, uh, then we need to look at, I think, the Senate bill that deals with incentives for gas, right? And so it looks like what's being set up, and this is speculation, right, is a, a horse trade, right? Like the Senate will pass out this corporate welfare program if the House passes out their corporate welfare program, right? Which And, and the, the only loser here is taxpayers because now there's multiple corporate welfare programs that we're going to be basically stuck probably forever, right? Uh, especially if we don't get that sunset provision moved back. We're talking if it's 2036, we're talking, what is that, 14 years, 12 years um, before we're even going to, to to talk about this. And so I think a, an amendment, and we probably will see quite a few amendments on HB5 uh, regarding all kinds of different subjects, but even moving that, that sunset back to two years, something reasonable so we can check in in two years if this does pass. Of course, the best case scenario would be this dies on a point of order or, uh, you know, Dan Patrick grows a backbone and kills this bill over in the Senate uh, and, and actually advocates for taxpayers. 
Um, us, we will continue to oppose this and shine a light on it. The legislature absolutely hates that. They hate when we 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 talk about how much waste there is of taxpayer dollars. And so uh, that is our mission. We will continue that. And we encourage any of y'all who oppose corporate welfare and, and value property tax relief uh, to be calling your lawmakers, especially if they've signed on to this horrendous bill uh, and demand they pull their names off and not pass this thing uh, on, on Thursday. The, the last thing I would say on this, right, is just to be clear on our position, you know, they talk about this being under the guise of economic incentives. We maintain that the best economic incentive is to literally create an environment that's low tax, low regulation, so all Texans benefit, right? Not just the select few, not just the government picking winners over losers, the losers being the taxpayers, right, um, in this case. And, and we think that that's the best way going forward, and we should absolutely not do what they're trying to do here, which is institute a completely new corporate welfare program in many ways worse than the previous corporate welfare program that we've talked about several times before. And if your lawmakers signed on to this, you should absolutely ask them why and to get the heck off of it right immediately because it's just terrible it's a terrible precedent it's terrible that we continue to do this um, and it certainly stifles prosperity for everyone else that doesn't benefit yeah you know speaking of, of terrible i want to kind of talk about uh the, the session as a whole right now um we're talking from our perspective. And so there has been some good stuff uh, that has been uh, passed, you know, specifically like on medical freedom, there's been a lot of reaction to the COVID pandemic and a lot of really good protections that have been passed. And we expect to be signed uh, for the governor, of course, the social issues, mainly dealing with like gender transitioning and porn in schools. There's been a lot of really good reforms, uh, you know, involving those as well. But when it comes to, you know, fiscally responsible governance, it's been one of the worst sessions I've ever seen. Like it is really, really bad. We, like I said, we've, we've talked about the budget. We won't go to that, but there's some things that I just wanted to highlight that we're seeing one being just a massive amount of corporate welfare. Um, things like occupational licenses, which Abbott uh, came out openly years back saying these things are bad. It's basically paying the government to work. Well, guess what? I can't even count how many new occupational licenses we've created this go around. And so the government is putting more and more barriers and we're creating more public-private partnerships. We're creating uh, more corporate welfare program. We are taking this big stack of taxpayer dollars, you and I's dollars, $33 billion, and they're just spreading it all over the place. It was exactly what we speculated was going to happen before a session started. It's, it's almost irresistible for lawmakers when they have this much money to not just spend like drunken sailors. And that is absolutely what they have been doing. We they've spent, like I said, we said 52 billion in new spending uh, from the last cycle. We're looking at probably right around 10, maybe 12 billion in property tax relief, assuming uh, this gets across the finish line, which we think something will pass. Um, but there's still 17 billion roughly, and we'll see after the budget is is finalized, roughly 15, 17 billion in surplus dollars that they're just going to leave out there. That they're that although they promise to give this money back to taxpayers, they have not, and they will not, according to all of the the bills and the budget in it in its current form. And so they're just going to let it sit out there, likely, you know, just waiting to be a slush fund next biennium, so they can spend that money in the same manner they did this, and just hope that what they've done and them using the fuzzy math saying, hey, we we gave the biggest property tax relief in history, that taxpayers are just going to buy it, reelect all these people, and then you know, rinse and repeat. 
Yeah, and that, that's what we've been doing for, you know, two decades nearly, especially when it comes to property tax relief is just, you know, here's a couple trinkets. Uh, everybody gets mad. We get past elections. We demand more property tax relief. They give us more trinkets over and over and over again. And so we're hoping, uh, one, that we can make improvements before session is over, but certainly going into the interim, uh, really holding lawmakers and candidates feet to the fire, demanding that if they're not willing to do things like eliminate property taxes and to give real relief to taxpayers, well, quite honestly, they just simply need to be voted out. You paint a pretty dismal picture, but I think it's absolutely important to take stock of kind of where we're at, right, and what's lost in a lot of the noise. You know, my biggest takeaways for this session, I think you're absolutely right and spot on on everything you mentioned, right? But to me, the way I kind of catch it all in, in one thing, right, is that we're, we're blessed to live in a state, right? It's the Texas miracle. And what you have, and you've had it really over the last two decades, but you certainly see it manifest a lot in this session and recent sessions are lawmakers, specifically Republican lawmakers, right, that are growing government way beyond its means to serve the citizens it's supposed to exist for, right? And you see that in so many ways this session. And then also creating these barriers to entry for people who, who move to this state, right? Because they're told that we have this economic climate that's so favorable to them and we're creating barriers, right? Licensure schemes, all sorts of stuff, throwing it up and making it harder, right? It's a protectionist racket for people that, that are big enough to enjoy that sort of thing. And we're doing all of this while pretending as if we're just, we're, we're kind of festering and encouraging this Texas miracle. We're not. We're making sure that there's less pro prosperity um, in the future. And to me, that's the biggest takeaway and really the biggest disappointment, I think, this legislative session is that, especially with that budget surplus, the over-collected taxpayer money, lawmakers have just completely squandered this opportunity that's presented, whether it's eliminating property taxes, right, or instead of creating new barriers to entry, getting rid of existing barriers to entry. I mean, how many bills, we read through all the bills that make it to the House and Senate floor, and I could probably count on one, maybe two hands, how many bills sought to repeal existing laws, right? Almost all of them are creating new things, right? New regulations, new laws, changing, nipping around the edges, right? And as taxpayers, we, we deserve better and we should demand better. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, often we're, we're you know, when we offer criticism, right, which we off, often do, right? Uh, you know, oh, you guys, you know, you guys are so negative and pessimistic, but, you know, have, have we ever considered that, you know, our lawmakers suck? I mean, that 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 is a possibility um and now we're we're willing to call balls and strikes and when good things happen we we praise those who do good things and we and we score many many votes positively right but when it comes to big picture are we growing government which is really our mission we are we're growing it massively and so there needs to be criticism and there's hardly anybody willing to do that and so we're happy to take up that banner um just kind of going forward through the rest of the session one we will continue to be putting out vote notices. We are coming up on the House bill deadline, which I believe is next. Is it next Wednesday or Thursday, Jeremy? I believe it's Wednesday, but now Wednesday. I'm questioning myself. Okay, okay. <laughs> Wednesday or Thursday next week. Uh, and so what that means is we're going to have massively long calendars. They're probably not going to finish daily calendars. They're going to roll calendars. They're going to go very, very long days. And so, of course, we'll continue to put out vote notices. And then even when that hits, then they're going to start dealing with Senate bills, and the Senate's going to be dealing mainly with House bills. And so for the rest of the session, we have our work cut out for us. If you're interested in some of these important pieces of legislation, I encourage you, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, follow us on Twitter, 
Twitter, please go to texastaxpayers.com and subscribe for our fiscal note, which is kind of our weekly update. And then you can also subscribe to our vote notice page, which you will receive vote notices in real time uh, within 24 hours. Hey, this is coming up and here's how we feel about it. Um, and so Please use this as a resource. We are free. Uh, we are supported by independent donors. And so, of course, if you if you uh, support our mission, please donate. This is how we're able to do uh, the things that we're able to do and to serve taxpayers. Uh, other than that, that's about all I have for this week. Jeremy, you have anything to add? I, I looked it up while you were talking, and it is Thursday. Next week is the deadline. Okay. So I want to make sure we're clear on that. <laughs> so Thursday. So busy week ahead of us. We appreciate y'all being with us. And, of course, we will give you an update next week on Taxpayer Talks. We appreciate y'all. Have a good one.